Now today, we're going to move on um, into the rest of this big, long, run-on sentence. And we're going to look at some of the specific things that Paul points out to be the spiritual blessings that we can experience in Christ. So for today, we're going to read chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, because they reveal blessings that are really tied together. So let's look at the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. Are you awake out there? All right. I'm not as exciting as a baby? <laughs> Let's turn verse 3, actually, just because it's the beginning of the sentence, and we'll just read part. Remember, we're going to stop at verse 6, but this is just one big, long sentence, so we're just kind of picking an arbitrary place to stop here. So chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now we're going to, this is what we're going to focus on, verses 4, 5, and 6. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, in this section of the sentence... Paul is describing the blessing of knowing that God himself sought you out to be his own and that he not only sought you out, but he brought you into his family. He wants to get us to understand what that means, that the blessing of that, that God picked you on purpose to be on his team. Now that's a blessing. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone here ever been in one of those situations where they were picking teams for some activity. Usually what happens is a big old group, you need two teams, and, and they pick the two best people always, the captains. One over here, it's John, and one over here is Bill or whatever. And they begin to, to pick people. I want Sally. I want Frank. I want George. And you're sitting in that group. Now, maybe you were Frank. You were one of the first ones picked. But remember, most people weren't um, of, the, of the whole group. And along the way as they're picking people, you are pleading inside. What are you saying? Pick me, pick me, please pick me. I don't want to be the last one standing here. I don't want to be left out. And they're saying, pick me, pick me. Or maybe it's maybe a little more adult version of that, where others are invited to something. It's a party, it's an activity, it's an event, it's a group whatever, social thing. And maybe you or someone you know is left out. They invite everybody, whether on purpose or by accident, they invite you, think everybody except for you. Have you ever been in those situations? It's not fun, is it? Um, it can cause a lot of pain. That's kind of what the Apostle Paul's talking about here. Paul is saying this. He's saying, hey, Christian, God picked you. He wants you on his team. Friend, that's a blessing that no one else can experience, knowing that God has picked you. There's security in that. There's contentment in that, knowing that God has picked you. Now, Paul explains this idea of God picking you by using two different illustrations. One in verse 4, we're going to look at verse 4 first, and then the other one in verse 5. He's going to say what it means that, that God picked you. So verse 4, he says this. He says, God... He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. I'm going to 
think most of all that one word there. God chose you. You know what? Say something with me out loud. Say, God chose me. God chose me. You know what? Let that sink in for a second. So many times we just pass by things. Let it sink in. God chose you. God chose me. Here's what I know to be true. It's pretty easy to feel insignificant in this world. There's over 7 billion, pushing 8 billion people on the planet. Each person trying to make a living somehow, and each person trying to discover some significance to their existence. They ask the question, why am I even here? There's 8 billion, 7.5 billion people. Why do I matter? Why am I even here? Well, in the middle of that reality stands this incredible truth. God knows who you are, and God says you are valuable, and God chose you to be on his team. See, I've noticed something that people, about people, people spend a lot of time and effort to try to be noticed, right? For some, it's through their appearance. You know the person, maybe you're one of them, every hair has to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, says the man with no hair. Every hair has to be perfect. I have a friend, this is the God honest truth. I have a friend of mine, he's a pastor, there's nothing to do with being a pastor. He irons his underwear. He irons, doesn't he, honey? He irons his socks, he irons his pants, he irons, he, he, he won't wear shirts that are not starched from the laundromat. The man has never had a wrinkle in his life. Um, you know, you know those kinds of people. Perfect. Though either every detail is just right, not a hair out of place, or maybe just the other extreme. The person is covered with piercings from head to toe. They've got tattoos covering every square inch of their body. Or they wear maybe, you know, bright colored clothes. Or maybe just the opposite. They wear no color clothes, all black. You know, black everything. All different experiences, I think, are expressions really just for the same outcome. It's somebody saying, it's all of us really saying, I'm here. Notice me. I have to have some significance. Maybe it's not through appearance. Maybe it's through achievement. The person says, you know what? I'm important. See me, I'm successful. Look at my beautiful car. Look at my great house. Do you know how much I made last year? Look at my great business. Look at me. Notice me is often what a person is really saying. What they're saying is I matter. It's something common to all human beings. Others maybe have given up on it. So they sit by the sidelines and they, they look sad and they look depressed. They look dejected and they believe the lie that they don't really matter. And they've just given up and they turn inwards. And what they're really saying is I wish I was noticed. People want to be significant. Well, friends, that's what the Apostle Paul is addressing in this section in the beginning of Ephesians. He's saying if you're a child of God, if you're in Christ, you are significant. You do matter. It's proven by the fact that God himself, the creator of the entire universe, chose you on purpose. Friends, the ultimate answer to humanity's search for significance is understanding I am significant because God says so, that he chose me. That's what Paul's trying to get us to understand. You see, those outside of Christ, 
Those who don't understand, haven't met the Creator through His Son, Jesus, they can't say this. They can't feel the acceptance and the comfort of knowing that God chose me to be on His team. So what's a person have to do who's grasping for significance? They have to grasp for it through effort, usually effort that, that climbs the ladder, but the way they climb the ladder is they step on everybody else around them, pushing everyone else down to be risen up. So it says, look at me, I'm, I'm significant. What Paul's trying to say as a child of God, we can have something different. He says, in Christ, this spiritual blessing from heavenly places is understanding I'm chosen by God himself. And simply because of that matter, that issue, I matter. Because of that truth, I matter. I don't have to push anyone else down to rise up. I don't have to try to display. You can wear brightly colored clothes or you can wear all black. It doesn't matter. He's saying, you know what? You don't have to do anything to prove you matter. You matter because God chose you. Friends, this is the position and the realization from which true peace and true contentment in life flow. God looks across the vastness of the seven and a half billion faces of the earth and he sees me and he smiles and he says, I pick you. I don't want you to notice something about him saying he picks you. He he didn't say, after watching you perform and seeing how good you were, he said, wow, he or she is really great. I want them on my team. No, what's it say? It says he picked you or he chose you. When? Before the foundation of the world. You know, remember, Scripture doesn't just say things for no reason. It says like it's trying to communicate truth. He picked you when? Before the foundation of the of the world. He chose you before you ever existed and you ever accomplished anything and ever proved anything. He chose you completely out of love and grace. You didn't earn his choosing. Um, you can't be good enough to, church, to earn his choosing. He simply chose you and he chooses us because he loves us. And you can rest in that. You can be overwhelmed with gratitude for that and you can simply respond by thanking and praising Him for choosing you. Friend, that's a true blessing, isn't it? Knowing that, right? Right. Now, verse goes on, verse 4 goes on to explain why He picked you. He's saying, he's saying, Richie, I picked you. You're on my team. I want you to be on my team. You didn't earn it. I did it before you were ever born. But then He goes on to say to all of us, why would he do that? Why would he pick us? Verse 4 shows that he chose us for a reason. That he has a plan for each one of us. Look what it says here. Verse 4. It says he chose us before the foundation of the world that, or so that, we would be holy and blameless before him. He said, I chose you for a reason, so that you would be holy and blameless. Now, this is what I think. I think when I read this, the air went out of some of your sails. You say, he chose me. Great. Before the foundation of the world, I don't have to earn it. Great. He chose me to be holy. Not so great. That's what I think we think sometimes. I think it's easy here to go from celebrating the grace of simply knowing we are chosen, you know, without merit, 
not because we deserve it. It's all just because of God's unimaginable love and grace to go from that to go into this kind of works and law mentality. You know, thinking now this life with Jesus, he chose me, and now my life is all about keeping a list of do's and don'ts, rules and regulations. I must, you know, work the rest of my life to try to earn his favor and, and be holy somehow. And I know I'll fail, so that sucks the life out of knowing I'm chosen. I think that's how we think a lot of times. Well, that might be how you're thinking. Your reasoning might be like that, but that's not at all what the Apostle Paul is saying here. I want to read this same section of verses from a different translation. Some of you are probably familiar with Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation. I love the way he translates the Bible. And he translates this in a way that I think captures the intention of what the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate to us about why we're chosen. So, so listen as I read this from uh, Ephesians chapter 1 from Eugene Peterson's The Message Version. He says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Look what it says there. It says he settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. You hear what he says there? Because God loves you, he chose you so that he could make you into someone who is whole. Someone who is holy. We need to understand something here. Without Jesus in our lives, before a person comes into a saving relationship with Jesus, where they are transferred, the Bible says, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdoms of God's glorious light, and before they are set free from the chains of, of sin, the Bible says all people without Christ in that condition are broken and incomplete and limited. But enter Jesus. He comes to make us whole and holy. He makes us whole. Salvation, friends, isn't just about forgiving people's sins. That's part of it. But salvation is, all, is also about restoration. Mankind was created to be eternal and to be unrestricted by sin, but sin entered the world and it affected mankind and it affected all creation and it broke us and it fractured us. But then Jesus came to not only forgive us of sin, but to begin to restore the image of God in man, to make you complete and whole again, like man was in the garden before the fall. He came to lead us back into the wholeness that mankind was designed to have before sin entered, to make us complete and to make us whole. You see, when God chose us to be on his team, he did it so he could restore us to wholeness, like Adam and Eve before sin in the garden, where they could live in this loving union with each other. Can you imagine having a relationship with another person where there is no sin that ever entered in? We can't even grasp it. We can't even fathom what it would be like to be in a relationship with anybody without the effects of sin. The effects of sin make us selfish and self-centered and wanting to do things our way. And that affects how it can be with anybody else in the relationship. 
God wants to restore what that would be like to be in a relationship with redeemed people interacting out of love. He wants to restore what that union would be like with a loving Heavenly Father, with God Himself, to walk with Him in a relationship unhindered, unhindered by the fracturedness of sin, without sin's negative effects. Friends, being in Christ restores progressively what was broken and makes us whole. He wants to make you complete and whole. And friends, that's um, that restoration, that wholeness, is what then leads to the desire for holiness. The desire, holiness isn't living rules of, lists of rules and regulations, that's law. Holiness is living lives that are, that are we consecrate ourselves, we commit ourselves to walking with God, we set our, ourselves apart for God and say, you're awesome and I just want to live with you. Lives where we once um, had dabbled in sin and felt its sting. But now we run from that into the arms of Jesus, knowing the true joy, knowing that true pleasure, that true wholeness only comes from being in Christ. So wholeness and holiness in Christ isn't about keeping a list of what I can't do. No, it's finding freedom from the sin that this world that this world crushes and destroys and fractures peoples and running to the Father to be restored and to be made whole. Friends, that's living in the reality of spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Think about it. God chose you so that he could make you whole. He could make you complete in Christ, which then leads to a life where you want to run from the, just the junk of the world because you say, I want to be set apart and holy unto the Lord. Is that making sense? What a blessing in heavenly places. Now the Apostle Paul goes on um, in this section of Scripture to expand on what it means for God to call us one of His own. He didn't just choose us to be on His team, as verse 4 says, but I wanted to mention just for a minute how verse 5 expands on that. Verse 5 expands this by adding, that he also, not only made us on a team, but he also makes us his children. He adopted us to be his sons. God goes beyond just um, uh, uh, adding us to his team, and he actually makes us his family. Look at verses 5 and 6 again. It said he predestines us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. Look at that. He predestined us to adoption as sons. Remember, in this long, long, long sentence, Paul is using every means possible to try to express what incredible blessings we have in Christ, to try to, in Christ, to, try to grasp what he is saying here. He didn't just, we don't just skim over this, but in Christ we understand something. You actually become a child of God. You become family. And think of this, it's not just biological family. You know, we're raising money for a center where people are, are looking at biological family as a mistake or an accident. And there's people trying to help them see that, no, that's a wonderful human. But Paul goes beyond biological family here. He says, no, you're not just biological family of God. He says, you are adopted. That he chose you on purpose, that he adopted you into his 
family. It's an action on purpose fueled by love. Our adoption, friends, is the highest expression of love that God has for us. He's saying, I chose you and I made you my son. We need to let this truth grow into the blessing that it's meant to be in our lives. You know, we all come from earthly biological families. Some of your families are pretty good families. You're blessed, pretty solid. But some of ours are pretty broken. In fact, some of you come from some real messes. And your family of origin has caused you pain and it's caused you difficulty. Well, the Apostle Paul's trying to say this. He's saying, newsflash, you've been adopted. You are a child of God. His family is your family. You belong. You are never alone again. Your Heavenly Father will never hurt you. Your Heavenly Father always wants the best for you. No Christian is any longer to be limited or inhibited by their biological family of origin. Now you are in God's family. He adopted you on purpose and he has a bright future for you in his family. Friends, what Paul's trying to get us to understand is he's trying to get us to understand this blessing, these blessings and embrace them and celebrate them and let them literally change how we look at life. That's what he wants for us. Think. Think about how your life can be changed when our perspective lines up with God's words. Think of the contentment that can come when we get it. I am chosen. I am adopted. You are chosen. You are adopted. Friends, living in this reality changes everything. No matter what comes, the truth is, you are chosen. You are adopted. And embracing this truth gives a blessing that is is available to any person who comes to Jesus and lives with him as Lord and Savior. It's, as he would say, Paul would say, a spiritual blessing that comes from heavenly places. That's what God has for us. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As I was looking at this, material from Ephesians and trying to say, how do I explain all this? Trying to explain this as being chosen and adopted. I began to think this. I knew as we'd go through it, we'd hear it all. And I think this. Some of us, some of, some of us in here, we just need to pickle in this for a while. You know what pickling means? I talked about it a few weeks ago. Pickling is when you take a cucumber and you put it in brine, you let it sit there for a while, and as it's in the brine for a while, it changes. Some of you need to pickle in this for a while. You need to, um, you need to take today. Maybe you need to take all week. And you just need to begin to think about these truths that you are chosen and that you are adopted. See, here's what can happen. You can come here and we, we talk about it for 30 minutes. And then you go off and you go on to the next thing. And, and some great blessing that God had for you kind of slips by the wayside. I'm going to challenge you, pickling this a little bit this day, pickling it this week. Take Ephesians 1, anybody can read it. Read verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. And say, God, help me to help me to live in this a little bit. Help me to get this idea that I'm chosen on purpose. Help me to get this idea that, that you adopted me into your family. Because I promise you this, when those things begin to take root inside of your heart and life, 
it'll literally change how you live every day. It'll change everything about you. So you go, you know what? I don't have to strive. I don't have to push people down. I don't have to search for significance. I have all that because the creator of the universe loves me and chose me. So it takes a little pickling. Spend some time pickling in that. And I thought of this also. I thought maybe there's another reaction to this. Maybe some of you are are in the process of coming to an understanding that you're not in Christ. There was a day I came to that conclusion. I said, yeah, I went to church, but I'm not really in Christ. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never surrendered my life and said, I live where I was king and God up here, and God, I thought he was down there somewhere. God says, you know, what I really want is I want to be up here. Not in a mean, overbearing, kind of rotten kind of way, but in a loving, protective God way. He's God and I follow Him. And there's time you understand you're not in Christ. Maybe you've been coming to that conclusion. You know what? Here's what I know. This truth that's to, that Paul's writing to the church, the Christians in Ephesus, and he writes to every Christian of all times, he writes to every person on the planet. He said, All of you, all of us can be in Christ and can receive these blessings. And what he explains elsewhere is that the Lord's calling. He's saying, come to me. And if you come to me, I'll receive you. Give you forgiveness. I'll make you my child. Some of us need to wrestle with that maybe a little bit today. Maybe respond when you hear that voice inside you. There's something inside you going, this is for me. Don't deny it. Don't push it aside. Say, yes, Lord. I want to walk with you. So I invite you to pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus, as we are climbing this mountain, looking at this uh, incredible, these incredible truths that there's no way I don't think we can ever really grasp in a lifetime, let alone a, a short little sermon time, this idea of being chosen and adopted. I would ask God that you'd begin to give us revelation and understanding into what that means so that we can rest in this truth and it can literally change how we live our lives. And Lord, I would ask this. As you're whispering in our ears, just maybe, just maybe there's someone in here who says, I don't know you. I don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord. And Lord, they would want to respond to you. And they could respond in some a way like this. They could say, Dear Jesus, I recognize that I need you. And on this day, I ask you to come into my life. To wash me clean, make me brand new. And adopt me into your family. And from this day forward, I want to live as a, as a child of God. I want to live as someone who's a disciple of Jesus Christ. So on this day, I give myself to you. And I say, Jesus, thank you for making me part of your family. So maybe you've been thinking that, that, that you could, you know you need Christ. Today you could receive him into your heart like that begin a relationship, Lord, with you. So now, Father, I pray that the truth of your word would not quickly 
slip from us, but rather, Lord, it would transform us into the men and women of Christ you've designed us to be. Lord, let your blessings rest upon every person in this place. Go with us now in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.